They would come to our house. And he even included my friends and my sister's friends in our family. They were always over at our house, and they would go on family vacations and stuff. Dad had a lot of good points, too. But things really changed one day. I think he'd hit about 40, and his boss was asking him to uh, not follow government regulations to cheat and to break the rules. And that was incredibly challenging for my dad. He ended up uh, drinking a lot and started taking Valium every day for a decade, and he became an alcoholic and addicted to drugs as well. <sighs> the way he related to all of us after that season really wasn't for the better, especially the way he spoke to us. How would you describe your family, the good and the bad? Think about it for just a minute. Tonight's message from the book of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 5 and a bit in chapter 6, and we're going to learn about imaging God in our families. All of us have come from a family of sorts, or like me, I got adopted into my family. And most of you, I think, are going to have a family of your own, statistically speaking. It's just going to happen. And so there's a lot to think about where you've come from as well as where you're headed. And so we have some teaching uh, from God through the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church to really consider tonight about imaging God in our families. Let's uh, read and see what direction God has for the Ephesian church and for us. In Ephesians, we'll start in chapter 5. In verses 15 through 21. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Always, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what do we know about the Ephesian church? Well, it was brand new. They'd never been a church. There'd never been churches anywhere. They were just starting up. Did they know how to be a church? Negative. Did they know how to follow Jesus? No. There'd never been Christians anywhere. This is brand new. There there was no tradition of anybody following the Lord. There's no tradition of church and gatherings and, and how people ought to relate And so in the book of Ephesians, we are getting firsthand instruction on how to begin the whole project of following Jesus and being his people. Isn't this fantastic to realize that when we read the scriptures, we have to go back in history and realize what was going on. These words were intended for them as brand new believers. And so we've got to get out of our reading the timeless principles that apply to us today. So these were everyday people. 
just like you're an everyday person. They're from every walk of life, just like you and I are from every walk of life, trying to become a church. Let's have another slide here. Families, we know from the scripture, because we've been studying spiritual warfare all quarter long, we're under the control of the evil one because 1 John 5.19 says that everyone is under the control of the evil one. According to Michael Mowry, this is the saddest verse in the Bible. And so did families behave like the image of God? No, nowhere on the planet were any families behaving like the image of God. And so here, God in his mercy sends his son Jesus, gets the whole thing going. How would you expect the men to be behaving? Well, like that they were under the control of the evil one. They had just learned about Jesus. They were just beginning to experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so they had been under the control of the evil one and moving towards being under the control of God's spirit because of their faith in Jesus. So it might be fair to say, though a little gross to say, that they were imaging the devil instead of imaging God in their families. They had slaves, of course. How did they treat them? Many times harshly. They exasperated their kids. They were not very caring for their wives. Wives did not respect or honor their husbands. I can imagine why. Kids did not obey their parents. Hey, did you ever do that? Yeah, I did. I did not obey them always. Sometimes I was sneaky. Any of you? Or were you just the in-your-face rebellious? No, I was the quiet, sneak-around rebellious. Okay. So the Ephesian families look nothing like the Trinity. Nothing like the perfect love and unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How could they? Up until that moment, they had been under the control of the evil one. So families were in the kingdom of darkness. They had followed the king, the dark king of culture. And we know that's even true today, don't we? That all families come out of culture. And every culture has missed imaging God in various ways. So, there was not much, if if any, imaging of God left in them. How could they now learn to express this consistent love and mutual submission? Did you catch verse 21? Look at it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In the family, everybody was supposed to be submitting one to another because they were worshiping the Lord who had made them in his image. And so they were amazing people, according to God, and worthy of respect, worthy of honor, worthy of mutually working together, learning submission instead of Working to get their own way. None of you or I know about getting our own way, do we? Yeah, we do. That's, that's a lot of our mindset till Jesus starts becoming the complete boss of our life, right? 
we start realizing he's got a better way to do things. So they were all about themselves, all about getting their own way, just like people in your family, just like people in my family. But cue the happy, triumphant music. Is it cued? <laughs> Thank you, cued music. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. 1 John 3, 8, that's what it says. We got another slide that says that. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. The devil had been working in every culture everywhere, skewing it away from the image of God. And now Jesus starts changing everything by his cross by his burial, by his resurrection. He bears the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins, everybody in the past, everybody in the future, everybody's sins he bears. And those who believe in him, their lives begin to change. Jesus was buried, but he raised from the dead. And as the son of God, he has the authority to forgive us our sins and to put God's spirit right inside of us to coach us moment by moment. Do you know what this means? Work with me. Do you know what this means? Good. It means that people no longer and families no longer have to live under the control of the evil one. I want you to imagine for a minute. What would happen if everybody in your family was perfectly submitted to Jesus? What if everybody was worshiping Jesus? What if everybody was serving him with their life? What if everybody was treating one another like Jesus treats you? I say something like, ooh la la. That sounds awesome. Anybody else? Could you start praying for that? Could you start actively seeking to be that spokesperson for the Lord in your family? That agent of change, could you uh, begin to have some hope that it doesn't have to be as it always has been? If Jesus can rise from the dead, imagine what he can do in your life, in the lives of every family member. Ooh, that's pretty exciting. Now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection and giving of the Holy Spirit, we can now live under the control of the Holy Spirit instead of the evil spirit. Do you get it? Do you see the switch? The great deception in America... And in every culture, is we think that there's some neutral middle ground. You don't have to be controlled by the evil spirits. You don't have to be controlled by God. <coughs> you can be yourself. Isn't that the American dream? It's one of the biggest lies. There's no middle ground, people. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in God's kingdom. You're either living for the Lord or you're living for the devil. That's harsh words, isn't it? But I didn't make them up. Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what I read in the book. 
The Holy Spirit is the only way that ingrained behavior can start loosening up, start changing. Hasn't he changed you a bit? Hasn't he even been doing it this quarter? Sure he has, at least to the extent that you're cooperating. Families can be made new. Individuals can change and become like the loving God who saved them. How's the change process going in your life? Think about it for a minute. How is that change process going? Do you like some of the renovations going on? Are some of them hard? Are you resisting some of them? Sure, we do that from time to time, don't we? To what extent have you let the Holy Spirit fill you up with his love? With his power, with his wisdom. Are you like an open receptacle? Fill me up. More love. More power. More wisdom. Are you more like, wait a minute. I don't know about this. Those are your options. Where are you on that spectrum in between those? How are you doing letting God's spirit coach you every day? And instruct you verse by verse as you take time to think through and read through and talk through with the Lord his very words. That's where the transformation really takes root in our lives. In the daily coaching. Any of you musicians or athletes take some some work at it, doesn't it? Individually and then corporately. In any major, you have to work at it to master the skills, don't you? And a lot of them, there's some cooperation, some teamwork. Hmm. How are you doing believing in the work of the Spirit in your life and cooperating? Hmm. The Bible is the Holy Spirit's number one tool in your life. You want to be a spiritual person? Be a person of the book. You want to be full of the Holy Spirit? Be full of the book. Is God's word your number one priority every day? Or is something else? Maybe it's a mixed bag. Well, keep moving in the right direction. Towards the Lord and his scripture. The Ephesian families were all following the norm of their culture regarding how their family operated, a culture influenced by the devil. And isn't that how most families everywhere in every culture have been operating until something happens named Jesus? Isn't this what happened to my dad? His boss was under the control of the evil one's company policy to make money instead of follow government regulations. And I would suggest to you, you're all going to go out there and most of your companies are going to be just like that. Oopsie daisy. This is the dark underbelly of America. We only have one ethic left. Money. If you can get more of it, it's good. That's what we believe in as a culture. 
What about serving your fellow man, providing a good product for a good price, making your community a better place? We've forgotten those values that we got out of the book. So you're going to be challenged as an employee or you you become the boss and employer. Is the goal to make money or to image God and serve your fellow man with your company? Whew. So my dad wasn't under under the control of the Holy Spirit, so he did not have the moral courage nor the wherewithal to know how to resist his boss. He didn't know what to do. He thinks, i got to feed my my family. i got to take care of the wife and kids. This is really unfortunate. That as a church-going man, He did not speak up. He did not push back against his boss because the guilt (coughs) and the shame that that boss experienced over his course of his life for cheating drove him to suicide. He lay down in front of a train and ended his life. How different it could have been if my dad would have pushed back. against making money, push back against ignoring the government regulations. You see how powerful everyday life is and how everyday life <coughs> excuse me, needs to be under the control of our loving God through his Holy Spirit. <coughs> Next slide. The Holy Spirit is the hope for our families. In chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, <coughs> we read how Paul was kneeling before God the Father in prayer. And he was praying that out of God's glorious riches, that the Ephesian church would be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to be praying for ourselves. That's what we need to be praying uh, for our community. That's what we need to be praying for our families. Because the Holy Spirit is our hope. We need to be filled with his power to change. Even our so-called Christian families need to change and mature and become more like Jesus. Are we perfect yet? Most likely not. God's spirit will fill us and our family members with God's love and give us the power to do immeasurably more than we can imagine as we put our trust in Jesus and follow him as Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. It doesn't work so good when we're half-hearted. I think there's this, this little verse in the book of Revelation where Jesus really is against the lukewarm. The half-hearted. You got to be all in or all out with Jesus. And the more you read the book, you come to that conclusion. Oh, please be encouraged to go all in. I've been doing it for a lot of years now. It works out pretty good. Works out great. Way better than I could have run my life. So unless... You are privileged to have this very strong set of parents who are following Jesus like 100%. 
a set of parents who were fully under the control of the Holy Spirit, who were filling their hearts with love and wisdom from the Bible every day, you probably grew up in a family that was less than perfect. But what about you and your family in the future? Couldn't you chart a new course? Set a higher standard? Go for the biblical bar of all for Jesus? All under the control of the Spirit? Sure you could. I challenge you, because I'm supposed to. God challenges you through me, who's his spokesperson tonight, to set that bar at the biblical level, to be a person fully under the control of the Spirit, raising your family for the glory of God, to image the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in perfect love and unity. Whew. You would say, I want to be like that family. Hmm. You want hope? You want good news? Like the Ephesian family, families were learning to image God, so you and your family can too, by trusting Jesus and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. The next slide says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with his word and speak his words. I would just suggest to you that one of the very first things the Spirit is going to do when you allow him to to be the total leader of your life is he's going to change the way you speak. Your speaking is going to start sounding a lot more like God speak. The Spirit's going to lead you into the book and start changing the way you think and what thank you and what you say. And when we start thinking and speaking differently one to another in our families, do you realize what tremendous impact that's going to have? Do you know how powerful your words are? We get so kind of stuck and trapped and lulled into doing nothing by the devil. Thinking we just can't make a difference. We're the kid. The parents ought to be leading the way here and following Jesus. Well, unfortunately, you're the only one in the family, maybe. Well, guess who's leading the way then? You. Lead. Speak up. Speak up. You will be glad that you did. We read in our text tonight that we should not get drunk, but we should be filled with God's spirit. We should find out what God's will is. We should seize every opportunity. So what did the Ephesian church need to stop doing? Well, they needed to stop getting drunk. Do you know how much alcohol is a part of most people's life in this country? Do you know how much the alcohol influences the way people talk? Kind of without a lot of uh, wisdom or holy restraint. Just imagine if everybody's words in your family were good words. My dad had some ugly moments because of his drinking. Anybody else relate to that in your family? I just remember this horrible time where <clears throat> my dad wasn't doing all that well, and <clears throat> he's always had dogs. 
But we had little kids. Carol and I had three little boys at this juncture. And the, the dog was, it was a blue healer. And the dog's job as a blue healer is to herd things, right? It's to nip, okay, at the heels of the animals. But there was no animals to nip at, so what was the dog nipping at? Three little boys. And so we just, Dad, you got to put the dog out. This was this big fight with Dad. He says, well, then I'm going out. So Dad would sit outside with his dog. Man, did we have a family conflict. Oh, that he had been under the control of the Holy Spirit and shown preference for the children that were his grandchildren. Instead of for his dog, he was self-focused instead of God-imaging focused. <clears throat> oh, So what did the Ephesian church need to start doing? They needed to start being filled with the Spirit, and they needed to stop drinking. They needed to stop letting that part of their culture control their lives. <clears throat> Let's pause and ask two difficult questions. Difficult question number one. What is the Spirit telling you to stop doing? He was telling the church to stop getting drunk. He was telling the church to start being filled up with the Spirit. Second hard question. What is the Spirit telling you to start doing? Start implementing, implementing on a regular basis into your life so that when you are a mom and a dad, you will lead the way in your family to image the very God of love who sent his son Jesus to die, be buried, and rise from the dead. So we get down to chapter verse 21 and following where we're beginning to see some very specific instructions on how the Ephesian families needed to reorganize themselves needed to restructure how they treated one another how they spoke to one another so follow along <clears throat> as I read submit to one another out of reverence for Christ for example, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Aren't you glad we have a Savior? Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now husbands, for example, you ought to love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Notice the high bar that God is, is speaking through Paul to the church. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives even as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church, 
for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment. This comes right out of the Ten Commandments. This is the first commandment that has a a promise attached to it, so that it may go well with you. You may enjoy long life on the earth. That's one of the Ten Commandments found in Deuteronomy 5.16. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as you, if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slaves or free, and masters. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. There is no favoritism with him. What is our marriage motive? We're no longer to be self-fulfillment oriented and comfort oriented. Rather, we're to make God look good in our marriages. Most of us get married because we feel like we have a need that needs to get met. And there's nothing wrong with needing a spouse, wanting a spouse, because we were designed for one. But when our whole motive is our own self-fulfillment, you see how that might be a little counterproductive to the success of the marriage, which is two people, not one. You can't both just be self-seeking. You both can't just be in it for self-fulfillment. You can't both just be in it to get comforted by the other. What about if you just threw all that out and decided you were going to bless the other person all the time? I think the cool result would be you found out both your needs were met because the other person was constantly serving you, constantly comforting you, meeting your needs. And we have this beautiful example that Paul has just laid out masterfully. Be like Jesus. Just like he laid down his life for the church to make it spotless and holy, be that way. Husbands especially, because in that culture, who was the head honcho? For sure, the husband was the head of the house, for good or for evil. Remember, mostly they had been acting like the devil, not the Lord. So they were not good in their leadership necessarily. Okay? They needed to learn to come off of that place of domination and control and self-fulfillment and seeking their own comfort to start sacrificially serving their spouse. Take care of your wife. Love her. Then you'll get to respect 
then you'll get the honor that you crave in your inner being. Is that a word for us today? Men? Women, don't you want a man like that? Louder? Oh, okay. Yeah. Women, start respecting. Start honoring. Start making that man's life easier. Build him up. Make it easy for him to love. Yeah. <coughs> and remember, even though it says submit, wives, to your husband, what does it say before that? Submit one to another. These editors of these Bibles that split up Verse 21 from 22, mm, it's not in the Greek text. There's no little, little editorial comment in there. It doesn't exist. It's all part of the same paragraph. Submit one to another. Boom. Men, submit to your wives. Every woman is rejoicing. <laughs> and wives, stop throwing this part of the Bible out. I know a lot of you have already cut it out. Put it back in. Submit to your husbands. Okay, winding down. So, if you're a child, you're supposed to obey and honor. I think we have a slide that says that. Hello? Children, obey and honor. Ten Commandments. Okay, what about, uh, do we have one about exasperate? Dads, don't exasperate. Do train. There's a good training verse, Proverbs 4, 1 through 9. Do you know what exasperate means? Get out your phone and look it up. It means like extremely irritate your kids. Knock it off. Train them to be like Jesus. Okay, what's the next slide say? Slaves, serve wholeheartedly. How many slaves here? Couple. Okay, you guys serve wholeheartedly. Okay, masters, go to masters. Masters, treat as dearly loved children those slaves of yours. How many have slaves? If you do, shame on you. Get rid of those slaves right now and help them find a great job. <sighs> there were slaves back then. So the word of God comes. Treat your slaves as dearly loved children, like it says in Ephesians 5.1. Don't threaten them. Love them. Liberate them to follow Jesus, the true master. And you masters, you dads, humble yourself because you have a master. Dad, submit to the Lord. Whew. In conclusion, our families are supposed to image God, but they're under the control of the evil one. But Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. The Holy Spirit gives us the love and power the families need to change. So we need to be filled with the Spirit and with the Word of God and speak the Word of God to one another. And each family member is to love and serve just like Jesus loved and served. Amen. Amen.